0: This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to His disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, Who Do You Say That I Am? It comes from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 15. But before we start our lesson today, WordTalk Inc. could use your support. Now playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song was ever played, there's utility bills and towel rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601 483 And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mellish your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense of providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible com. or catch us wherever you consume your podcast, whether that's Amazon or Google or iTunes or Spotify. We're there too. All you have to do is search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Today, the Lord has laid on my heart to address who do you say that I am? Jesus asked his disciple that in all of the Gospels. We see that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Anyhow, there are some big questions in life like, Why am I here? How do you explain human nature? What happens to a person at death? Will you marry me? But probably the most important question that we all have to answer to Jesus Christ is, Who do you say that I am? And Jesus asked that pointed question to his disciples. Now, if you were to ask the average person just walking down the street, you'd get all kinds of answers to who is Jesus. I'm sure you would hear something like, he's the son of God, or others might say that he's a prophet, or he was a religious leader. Some might even say that he was a nobody. He never existed. You know, if you watch the television show Young Sheldon or Big Bang Theory, Sheldon says there is no God. His mama prayed to this imaginary person. And there are people in life like Sheldon that believe that Jesus was just a myth. That's all he was. He was a myth. Now, some people might tell you that they believe in Jesus and tell you an answer about Jesus, but really in their life, Jesus doesn't matter to them. Why do I say that? Because they don't think about him at all. They don't have an opinion of Jesus because it's not relevant to their life. I would even go as far to say there are people sitting in the church pew today That are there strictly because in the south that's what you do you get up on Sunday morning you get dressed you put on your Sunday clothes you go to church you sing your songs you listen to the pastor you go out to eat and you come home and you did your church obligation but I'm telling you this morning there is more than just a church obligation or you do it because that's what people just do I was in that category though I grew up in a Christian home My mom and dad made sure I went to church every Sunday. When I would try to get out of going to church and tell them I was sick, they would tell me, wait, there's no better place to go to than go to church when you're sick. I would summarize where I was was that I knew a lot about God. I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus personally. I mean, I had gone to vacation Bible school. Like I said, I had gone to Sunday school. There were TV preachers we listened to. Even on the radio, occasionally we would listen to a preacher. But what I'm telling you is I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know God. But one day that changed. God knocked on my heart and I accepted him as Lord of my life. And ever since then, my answer about who Jesus was changed completely. Well, if we look to the Bible for the answer of who Jesus was, like I said, Jesus challenged his disciples with this question. If you go back to Matthew 16, 13, Jesus says... Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 16. We'll start in verse 13. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So here the disciples and Jesus are in Caesarea Philippi. They're probably having a casual conversation as they're walking or whatever. And Jesus asked them, probably didn't catch them off guard too much, at least not this first question. And he just asked, he said, who do the people say that the son of man is? Who do the people say that I am? And, of course, the apostles had several answers for them. We saw that in verse 14. They said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Others say that you're Jeremiah. Some say that you're just one of, a, of the other prophets. And those seemed to be reasonable answers. But they were wrong answers. And what I would tell you is that, sadly today, that those are still the wrong answers. But still today, people answer back with the same answers that the apostles gave Jesus. You can know about Jesus and still be wrong. And just like the apostle said, the people say that he is. They were all wrong. The other thing people do is they answer who Jesus is based on their own view, their world view. Here's what I will say. If you challenge somebody long enough, they will give you an opinion about who they think Jesus is. But just because they have an opinion and no matter how they spin it, unless they understand what Peter said, that Jesus was the Christ, then that means they are wrong. And so I'm going to ask this question to you a couple of times today. Who is Jesus to you? Today, you need to answer that question. Who is Jesus to you? Because that is the question. When the apostles got through telling Jesus what other people were saying about him, he challenged them. In verse 15, it says that then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And today, you need to answer that question. It's a defining moment in your life that you need to answer, who do you say Jesus is? At the beginning of the year, right after Christmas, I'm going to start a seven-week series about what Jesus said about himself. In the book of John, there is the I am. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, and Jesus said all that about himself. But even as important as those seven lessons that I'm going to teach are, and we're going to learn about who Jesus thinks he is, that's not really great grammar, but that's the title of the series, is who does Jesus think that he is, and we're going to answer by looking at the seven great I Am's in the book of John, as great as those lessons will be, it still doesn't answer the question for you today. Who do you say Jesus is? That is the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. Do you realize that the world has truly been shaped by Jesus? If there had been no Christmas, if there had been no birth of Christ, if there had been no Easter, the world that exists today would be radically different than it is today. And sadly, all the people that say that it doesn't matter or that they don't acknowledge Jesus, he changed the world whether they want to acknowledge it or not. As we go into this Christmas holiday, most of the world, in some form or another, take the time to acknowledge that Jesus was born. And then around Easter time, just as many or an equal number of people take the time to recognize his death and his resurrection. I will give you that most may not recognize it by being in church, but at least they recognize the importance of the day and what the day is about. The business world recognizes it. Most people don't go to work on Christmas Day. A lot of people are off on Good Friday and for sure on Easter Sunday. It's a time that we gather with family and we, and we celebrate. We have a meal together. We exchange gifts. We speak about goodwill and we wish each other a Merry Christmas and we wish each other a Happy Easter. See, we understand that there's something special about those two days, whether we celebrate in a church service or not, whether we are a Christian or not. Christ is relevant to us because we honor those dates. I want you to think about this as well. We now have A.D. and B.C. That didn't exist before Jesus was born and Jesus died. If you studied history at all, you know that before Jesus, most history was measured by who was in power at that time. If we look in the book of Luke, we are told that Jesus' ministry began when he was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And the Father said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. But when was that? Luke says in Luke 3 verses 1 and 2 it was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Annapius was ruler over Galilea. Imagine if we use that today. It would be the second year of President Biden and fifth year of Governor Tate Reeves. I think all of you agree it's much easier to say that it's just 2022. We leave off the A.D. part of it, but in a Gregorian calendar, it will have A.D. after 2022. And that A.D. stands for the year of our Lord. That is a Latin phrase for Anno Denomini, which means the year of our Lord. So 2022 A.D. is 2022 years after the death of our Lord. Now, if you go back and look in the book of Luke, if you look in Matthew, you see that when Jesus was born, he was dated that the world was ruled by Caesar Augustus. And history tells us that Augustus died in 14. You might ask Tim, 14 what? 14, the year of our Lord. When Jesus was crucified, it was under the authority of Caesar Tiberius. Tiberius died in 37, 37 the year of our Lord. History has been divided now into two sections, those things that happened before Jesus was born and those things that happened after Jesus was born. And if you look at some of the greatest men and women in history, whether they were good or whether they evil, they are defined by these dates. If you look at their birth date or the date they were born and the date they died, those dates are referenced by the birth of a child that was born in a stable in a little village in a town called Bethlehem. For example, Napoleon Bonaparte lived from 1769 to 1821 in the year of our Lord. So again, it was measured by that little town in Bethlehem. Mahatma Gandhi lived from 1869 to 1948 in the year of our Lord. Muhammad, the founder of Islam, lived from 507 to 632 in the year of our Lord. There have been attempts through the years to secularize this by referring to it as the common era or CE. But common to what? It's called the birth of Jesus. So even when they tried to secularize it, it still was tied back to the birth of Jesus. So what I want you to get the understanding of, if there was no Jesus, then there would be no 2022. And because our calendar was developed by a Jesus follower, again, Gregory, that's why it's called a Gregorian calendar, not only would there not be a 2022, but there wouldn't be a December 18th. But that's not all that was defined by Jesus. When you hear somebody say, turn the other cheek, they're quoting Jesus. When they speak of someone being a prodigal son, they're quoting Jesus. Most people know the golden rule, but do they know that it came from Jesus? Phrases such as, the blind leading the blind, or cast the first stone, or turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, or give somebody the shirt off your back, all come from Jesus. So going back to our text and looking back at Matthew 16, verse 13, where Jesus asked the apostles, who do people say that I am? And they gave him a variety of answers. And I ask you today, who do people say Jesus is? You could give me a variety of answers, I'm sure, just like I gave you one as we started this out. Some are good, some are bad, some are indifferent, but they're all wrong. Unless they understand that Jesus is the Messiah, he was the Christ that came, they're all wrong. And most are wrong because they don't know Jesus. They know about Jesus. And they are just parroting what others have said about Jesus or what they've heard about Jesus, whether it's good or bad but Jesus made it personal. He really didn't care about what other people said. He wanted to make this personal. And so he looked to the apostles and he said, that's well and good. But really what matters to me is who do you say that I am? And then we see in verse 16 that Simon Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Now, if Jesus was just a good man, or a prophet, or a moral teacher, or a rabbi, that would have been a good opportunity for him to have clarified his position and to tell them what they should answer. He could have said, no, not at all, Peter, you're wrong, I'm just a prophet pointing to God, or I'm simply a rabbi directing you to the truth. But Jesus replies in verse 17 and 18, and he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because... The Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. And now I'm saying that you are Peter, which Peter meant rock. And I'm going to build upon this rock, a church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I want you to stop and think about the significance of that right now. Right here, Jesus is claiming to be God. Of all the major religious leaders in the world, Moses and Buddha and Confucius and Muhammad, only Jesus claimed to be God. And just as Jesus claimed to be God, we have to accept that and we have to believe on that. And that's how we're saved. And if we don't believe on that, then we reject God. So again, I'm going to pose the question to you today. Who do you say Jesus is? And I pray that your answer is like that of Peter. I pray that you will say that Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are my Lord and Savior. I know I'm beating this to death, but we all know the textbook answer. The answer that is written in stone or ink, straight from the Bible. I'm a parent like many of you, and I know children learn from asking questions. And some of those questions are repeated over and over. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But the number one question you're all probably laughing as I say this is, but why? 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 Children love to ask that question. We still ask that question as adults. And I don't know about you, but I'll be honest. I'll be straightforward with you. My textbook answer to the why question most of the time is because I said so. But honestly, do we truly know what the term Messiah means? But you have to understand who Jesus is to be able to accept him as Lord of your life. You have to understand the word Messiah and what it really means to be able to make him Lord of your life. Well, the word Messiah in the Hebrew means anointed one or chosen one. The Greek equivalent in that, of that word is Christoph. And that's where we get the word Christ. The name Jesus Christ is the same as Jesus the Messiah. In biblical times, anointing someone with oil was a sign that God was consecrating or setting them apart for a particular role. Thus, we had the title anointed one. Someone that was special. God ordained a purpose for that person. Throughout the Old Testament, we see people are anointed for a prophet or priest or king. We studied about that with Samuel and with David. We also see that in 1 Kings that God told Elijah to anoint Elisha to succeed him as Israel's prophet. Aaron was anointed the first high priest of Israel. That's back in Leviticus. All these men held an anointed position. But the Old Testament predicted a coming deliverer, chosen by God to redeem Israel. This deliverer the Jews called the Messiah. And Jesus of Nazareth is that prophesied Messiah. You remember what happened in Luke 4? Uh, If you turn to Luke 4 with me real quick, verse 16. Jesus is at Nazareth. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus was saying is, I am that Messiah. I am what Isaiah prophesied was coming throughout the New Testament. We see the proof that Jesus was the chosen one. In John chapter 20, it says that these miracles are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, You may say, Tim, that's great that he did all these miracles and all that thing, but do you have any ultimate evidence? Well, actually I do. The ultimate evidence that Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah, the anointed one, is in his resurrection from the dead in Acts 10, 39 through 43, there are eyewitness testimony of his resurrection and the fact that he is the one who God appointed judge of the living and the dead. Just as Jesus asked his apostles, who do you say that I am? I'm challenging you today. Who do you say that he is? We're going to study that Jesus knew who he was and he gives us Seven different times when he says, I am, just like Moses was told by God, by Yahweh, that I am. When they ask, who sent you, You tell them, I am. Jesus knew who he was. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah. The question is, do you know who he is? The answer to this question is really the centerpiece to the Christian faith, to your Christian walk. While he walked on earth, he fulfilled the prophecies that were laid out by the prophets and throughout the scripture. But then he also proved his divinity by overcoming death and being resurrected. No one else in history has the power to overcome death. Jesus' death was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But his resurrection defines the rules of this world in a way that only God could accomplish. God's love is displayed through his incredible sacrifice. But the most famous verse or the most commonly known verse if you ask most people about a verse they'll tell you john 3:16. it tells us for god so loved the world that he did what he gave his only son that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life jesus's arrival on earth was a thought out rescue mission that god sent down here so he could redeem his fallen creation Jesus's existence here on earth was about grace. It was a gracious invitation to all of us in humanity to engage in real life, to have a life-changing and an eternity-impacting relationship with the one true living God. Today, Jesus is asking you, who do you say that he is? Because that is the centerpiece of your faith. When we see Jesus the way he really is and who he really is, That's when things start to change. That's when things change inside of us supernaturally, and we're able to walk in strength and in his guidance of the Holy Spirit. We no longer rely on ourselves. We rely on him. I challenge you today to go back and look at what Jesus said. Look at who he said he was. And are you believing the things about Jesus and what he spoke? Jesus didn't come to be a good example, even though he was. Jesus didn't come to be a prophet, even though he was. Jesus didn't come to be a rabbi, even though he was. Jesus came to be our redeemer. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He came to be our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom for God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Jesus came to be our shepherd, our healer, our deliverer, and our provider. We lack nothing because of him. Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? My answer to you is see him as your God, as everything he claims to be in his word. And Jesus will do mighty works in your life beyond what you can think, hope, or ask. Today, I stand on Luke 149, where it says that, For the Mighty One is holy, and He has done a great thing for me. He has done great things because He came, and He was my provider. He came, and He is my shepherd. He came, He is my healer. And He came, He is my deliverer. He has done great things for me. Answer the question, who do you say that He is? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Lord, we study this small little section of scripture, but it's so powerful. It's one of the major questions in life. We have to answer, who do you say that I am? In typical fashion, you started off by just trying to understand, who do people say that I am? But then you turned and made it personal. And just like our Christian walk, has to be a personal relationship with you. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people say. It is who do we say you are. It is a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray today that there's one listening to me that's been struggling. You've laid this on my heart as we get ready to study the seven great I Ams. Lord, there is one today listening that needs to hear And be challenged again, who do you say that you are? Lord, I pray today they answer that, they rekindle that spark in their life. Lord, they find that supernatural thing. They find that first love. Lord, I pray today they just turn to you for that answer and not the world. Lord, I pray for the one that doesn't know you, that's never answered that question. They've listened to the world. They've walked and they know about you, but they don't know you. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would accept you as Lord of their life. Lord, they would ask you to be Lord of their life. They would admit they're a sinner. That's the first step. We have to admit that we've fallen short of your standard. Lord, that they would believe that you came. You came to earth and you walked and you were the Messiah. And Lord, they would believe that you died on the cross for them. You were the perfect sacrifice. And Lord, that they would commit. They would commit with their mouth that you are Lord and that they would chase after you. Lord, we thank you for all that you do and the blessings you give this ministry. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.